will seek to cover Psalm 83. Psalm 83. Now, tonight we want to cover what we have been covering in the Gospel of Matthew. And we left off with Jesus cleansing the temple in Matthew 21, verses 12 through 17. But this is an episode that is mentioned in each of the Gospels. And they are very brief accounts. Let me first of all ask you to open up your Bibles to John 2. And we want to look at these four four accounts of Jesus cleansing the temple. We just want to read these. Read these all briefly. But John 2 verses 13 Through 17. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. And he made a scourge of cords and drove out all of all drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables and those who were tell and those who were selling the doves he said take these things away stop making my father's house a place of merchandise his disciples remembered that it was written zeal for your house will consume me. Now, I want to just say a word about that. I grew up taking it for granted that Jesus cleansed the temple twice. Once early in his ministry and once later in his ministry because of the placement of this in the Gospel of John. I'm not trying to definitively decide that. But I would say, realize that John doesn't record that second case of cleansing the temple. He only records one instance and he puts it near the first of his gospel. Some have suggested, with some plausibility, that this may not be put here for chronological reasons, but for theological or thematic reasons. Because often we see Jesus fulfilling all things Jewish from the very beginning of the Gospel of John. And here he will ultimately be the replacement for the temple as verses 18 through 22 go on to say. So it may have been that he cleansed the temple twice. It may have been that he only cleansed it once. But John places it in a different order. Let's look at Luke 19. Luke 19 in verses 45 through 48. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling, saying to them, it is written, and my house shall be a house of prayer. But you have made it a robber's den. 
And he was teaching daily in the temple. But the chief priests and the scribes and the leading men among the people were trying to destroy him. And they could not find anything that they might do. For all the people were hanging on every word he said. Okay, Mark 11. Mark 11, 15 through 19. In Mark 11, 15 through 19, they came to Jerusalem. Then they came to Jerusalem and as he entered the temple and began to drive out all those who were buying and selling in the temple, he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he would not permit anyone to carry merchandise to the temple. And he began to teach and to say to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations but you have made it a robber's den the chief priests and the scribes heard this and began seeking how to destroy him for they were afraid of him for the whole crowd was astonished at his teaching when evening came they would go out of the city and finally Matthew 21 the account that we will focus on most directly Matthew 21 verses 12 through 17 and Jesus entered the temple and drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things he had done, and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established praise for yourself. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and spent the night there. Now we're going to look at a little bit and, and talk about some things about each of those accounts that were, that were unique. But, but what we want to do... I want you, first of all, to understand how significant this was. The temple was at the center of Jewish life. It was the very center of their national identity. And the Jews were expecting a deliverer who would rescue them from Rome. But instead of rescuing them from Rome... He comes and judges the religious leaders of the people. In this house, the center of the Jewish faith, he is overturning their tables. He is driving them out. He is making a cord according to John's account and driving out the oxen and driving out the sheep. There are elements 
that each writer mentions that the other does it. In John, we find the sheep and oxen mentioned, Jesus making a cord to drive them out, making a whip to drive them out. And the passage quoted is different than the ones quoted in the synoptic gospels. Zeal for your house has consumed me. In Luke, we find that daily Jesus was teaching and they were trying to destroy him. In Mark's account, we read the unique element that Jesus said that no one was to carry merchandise through the temple. No one was to carry merchandise through the temple. And also, the Bible tells us that Jesus said, My house is to be a house of prayer for all nations. That phrase, for all nations, only found in the Gospel of Mark at that particular point. And Matthew is unique because he alone records Jesus healing the blind and the lame. Now, we are thrilled that all of you are here with us and let's look at this account and let's see what we can find. From this passage. Mark 11 verse 11. Tells us after Jesus entered Jerusalem. He had gone into the temple and looked around him. So Jesus has been to the temple before this. But Jesus comes to the temple that day. And he drives out those who are buying. And those who are selling. I want you to know this. He's not only driving out the sellers who are, who may be trying to take advantage of people, but he's also driving out the buyers as well. What people would do, they would often come from great distance and they had to pay the temple tax in Tyranian coins and they would have to exchange that money for the money that the temple accepted to pay their temple tax. They may come from a great distance. And so they might purchase an animal for sacrifice when they got there. This is going on in the temple courts. Now the temple courts, this was a large complex. A lot of people in different places of the temple may not have realized this happened on this particular day. They may not have. But the place they would have been set up in would have been what would have been called the court of the Gentiles. Now understand when we say court of the Gentiles, that doesn't mean that there was only a Gentile presence in that place. Jews could go there as well. But this was the only place, the only place Gentiles could go. Archaeologists, a hundred years ago or so, discovered, as they were digging around uh, this site, they, they, they discovered a song that stated, if Gentiles go beyond this point, they have themselves to thank for their death that will follow. So, this is as far as they could go. This is as far as they ventured to go. And in this place, 
which was the limits of how far the Gentiles could go. And all they could see of God's house, they are buying and selling. And Jesus' action is a dramatic parable overturning their tables, driving out their livestock. Later they're going to ask, why do you have authority to do this? Where does your authority come from to do this? But Jesus cleanses this temple with Scripture. He said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And as Mark added, we stated a moment ago, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples, for all nations. But instead, you are making this a robber's deed. Now, the passages that quotes from are Isaiah, Isaiah 56 and verse 7, Isaiah 56 and verse 7, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And Jeremiah 7, 11, but you are making it a robber's den. In Jeremiah 7, 11, Jeremiah preaches a sermon that God is going to destroy this house. This house is going to be destroyed. They objected to Jeremiah's preaching. They threatened to kill Jeremiah because of his preaching. But every word of that came true. It is significant that in this last week, Jesus will say so much about the destruction of Jerusalem, about the destruction of the temple. It's very significant. And just as Jeremiah was rejected for that message, Jesus will be rejected. Now, I also put on this slide 1 Kings 8, 41 through 43. Jesus is not quoting that passage here, nor is he alluding to that passage. But I'll tell you how it ties in. 1 Kings 8 talks about the dedication of the temple. The dedication of God's house. And basically, it is a prayer by Solomon that God will hear and answer the prayers that are prayed toward the temple. When people come here and pour out their heart, hear their prayer. 1 Kings 8 is particularly significant in this context, verses 41 through 43. Because what they tell us is if a person has come from a faraway nation because he has heard of God's great name, when he does that, and when he comes to this house and prays, the statement was made that God was to answer his prayer. God was to answer his prayer so that he might know there is no God in all the earth like the God of Israel. God's house was designed from its very inception to be a house of prayer. I can remember one time driving. I don't remember exactly where I was, but I know I was close to the Alabama-Mississippi line. And there was a place of worship that said, house of prayer. It's a pretty good name. Pretty good name, House 
of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den. They have turned this place where Gentiles and people from all nations could come here to pray and to pour out their heart to God. They are so busy buying and selling that they have turned it more into a flea market instead of a place of worship. And Jesus responds drastically to that. He overturns their tables. He drives out the animals. He responds dramatically to that. I would suggest in this process, Jesus is fulfilling all kinds of Old Testament passages. There is a passage in Hosea 9 and verse 15 that says, I will throw them out of my house. And in a sense, that's what Jesus is fulfilling. And Jesus also, it was also prophesied that there will be no Canaanite. Some of your versions may have in Zechariah 14, 21, no merchant in the house of the Lord. Because God's house is going to be pure. All merchants are driven out. All of these passages, Jesus is fulfilling. But I want you to notice something else. The Bible says that the blind and the lame came to Jesus in the temple and he healed them. Only, this is only in the gospel of Matthew. He heals the blind and lame. Now let me ask you to think with me just a second. Give you a couple of other passages here. Right now, I'm focusing on 2 Samuel 5, verses 6 through 8. Think with me. 2 Samuel 5, 6 through 8. You remember long after most of the other parts of the land of Canaan had fallen, Jerusalem was still controlled by the Jebusites. Remember that? Even during the time of David, till the time of David, Jerusalem is controlled by the Jebusites. The reason that Jerusalem makes a good capital is because it is easily defensible. And so when David was coming against the Jebusites, They boasted to David, the blind and the lame will keep you out. And David says, whoever the first one is to go up there to those Jebusites and to kill the blind and the lame, he will be my military commander. David takes your self-description and uses it in sarcasm. And of course, Joab is the one that leads the charge. But this is my point. They will speak of David in this, they will speak of Jesus in this instance as the son of David. Hosanna to the son of David. But in this point, Jesus is a contrast to David, not a comparison. David militarily defeated the blind and the lame. Jesus heals the blind 
in the land. They come to him. He heals them. This is the last, these are the last miracles of Jesus recorded in the Gospel of John. He heals the blind and the lame. Last record of mass miracles on the part of Jesus. Healing several at one time. And they're shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna. Now also, it is significant because Micah prophesied in Micah 4 in verses 6 and 7 that God was going to take the blind and the lame and form them into a great nation. God says in Micah 4, 6, and 7, In that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame the out, the, and gather the outcast, even those whom I am afflicted, and I will make the lame a remnant, and the outcast a strong nation, and the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from now on and forever. In a sense, that passage is being fulfilled here as Jesus is, is taking the blind, taking the lame, healing them, and fashioning them into a great people. They praise Jesus. The children praise him. Hosanna to the son of David. The religious leaders, the chief priests, and the scribes, they see all the wonderful works he's doing and they hear the children praising and they are outraged at this. How dare he accept that kind of praise? And they present this to Jesus and they say to Jesus, they say, do you hear what these children are saying? With the effect that if you hear them, certain you're going to stop them. And he said, yes, I hear them. Not only does he hear them, he accepts their worship. And he says, yes, have you never read out of the mouths of nursing infants and nursing babes, you have established praise for yourself. That is a quote from Psalm 8 too. That is not even represented on my slide here. I will tell you, if you think about the implications of this, this is profound. Often the words of the psalmist poured out to God in grief are used on the lips of Jesus. Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus said, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. Quotes from Psalm Psalm 22, Psalm 31. The words that worshipers poured out to God, Christ poured out to the Father. But also, in the book of Psalms, words that worshipers poured out to God are taken and applied to Jesus. Jesus is both the innocent sufferer of the Psalms who looks to God for strength and he is the God who can rescue us from our crisis. Yes, I hear it. Have you never read out of the mouths of infants 
and nursing babes, you have prepared praise for yourself? The chief priests and the scribes who are angry at all the wonderful things Jesus is doing. The chief priests and scribes who cannot bear the shouting of these children. Hosanna to the son of David. They are in Psalm 8. The enemy and the avengeful of the Psalms. But those children and infants are the kinds that Jesus spoke of. In Matthew 11, when he said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have not revealed them to him. But you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Father except the Son, etc. But my point, these children praising Him, they are the humble souls who will accept. This past week, as I was preaching in a little town in the mountains of western North Carolina, there was a man who came Tuesday night. And one of the people called me aside and said, He's got some. He has some struggles, but he said he was, we talked to him, was baptized a few years ago. He's quit coming. I saw him today. I asked him, I just wanted you to know that. He came Tuesday night, came back Wednesday night, came back Thursday and Friday night. He told me something that all the people there knew. He said, I can't read or lie. But he wanted to learn the Word of God. And Friday, as the invitation song was sung, He called the preacher over. He was already sitting on the front row. He called the preacher over, the local preacher, and talked to him about his sin and asked the congregation to pray for him. What I'm saying is this. Often the people who will be, taught by, who will be touched by the message of Jesus are the children and infants of our culture who are not the who's who, who are not the ones who are leaders and sometimes not even supposedly spiritual leaders. It is going to be the people humble enough to surrender to God 
and to do his will. And I want to tell you what Jesus says about people like that in Hebrews 2. That he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And neither am I. Regardless of his lack of formal education. Now I have another verse up here that I haven't touched on. That Jesus is fulfilling. And that's Malachi 3 verse 1. Behold, I'm going to send my messenger. And he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight behold he is coming says the Lord of hosts I'm going to send my messenger who will clear the way before me now that's quoted Malachi 3 1 that part of Malachi 3 1 is quoted and applied to John the Baptist back in Matthew 11 I'm going to send my messenger and he will clear the way before me and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Now, if you haven't thought about that part of Malachi 3.1, the Lord whom you seek will come to his temple. Let me encourage you to think about it and let me tell you this. I used to listen quite frequently to a man who was raised Jewish, a brilliant man. Who said the first time he opened the New Testament, he was scared to death. He thought it was going to say, kill all the Jews. And he said he was surprised to read it. It didn't say that. It started quoting the Old Testament passages. It emphasized that Jesus fulfilled them. He became convicted that Jesus was the promised Jewish Messiah. And in his radio program, argued pretty effectively for that. And he made this argument one day, if there's a flaw in it, I have not called it. Okay. He said, Malachi 3.1 talks about the Lord appearing at his temple. He said Jewish writers and Jewish commentators take that as a reference to the Messiah. The Lord will appear at his temple. He said the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. He said if Jesus didn't fulfill that passage, who did? And to him, that was a powerful argument that Jesus was the Old Testament Messiah. His identity. He is the Lord. He is the Lord. Malachi 3.1 Now, what do we read? What do we learn from this account? A couple of points that strike me. Also another Old Testament passage, Ezekiel 40 through 48, as Ezekiel prophesies of a glorified temple. Jesus sometimes 
acts in dramatic ways in judgment. Now, I'm quite sure of something. Jesus would have been happy to have never had to cleanse the temple. Remember, just a couple of days before Jesus cleansed the temple in Luke 19, Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem and wept over it and said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to you. He wept over the city. Jesus did not want to bring judgment. He wants to bring salvation. But he knows that his message will be rejected. And here Jesus acts out a judgment on the temple in a very dramatic way, overturning the the tables of the money changers, not allowing people to use the temple as a shortcut to get from one place to another, taking a cord and, and, and driving out the oxen and the sheep and quoting these scriptures. Let me ask you that. Was that unchristlike? And how many, how many American Christians, if we had been there, would have said, Jesus, that's not very Christian. How many of us would have said that to him? Would I have? Would you have? It has been said of those who try to come to an understanding of the authentic Jesus that everyone looked into the well of Jesus and saw their own image reflected. In other words, some of the studies that are done about Jesus and some of them that are done on a less academic level about who Jesus was and what he really did, we create a Jesus in our image instead of letting our ideas of Jesus be shaped and molded by Scripture. This Jesus cleanse the temple. His cleansing the temple was an act of judgment. But it was also an act where he is providing people. He's providing people access to God. This house is to be a house of prayer And a house of prayer for all nations. This was as far as the Gentiles went in the temple. And he does not want those who want to seek God with an undistracted heart. He does not want them to be driven away by the commercial spirit. He wants this to be a place not of buying and selling, but this to be a place of prayer. My house shall be called the house of prayer for all peoples. He wants to provide a place for all those who come to seek God. 
And Jesus can make a great nation of the outcast and of the lame, of the blind and the lame. He, those who are willing to praise him, if they be children, if they be infants, who shout Hosanna to the son of David, he is glad to accept it. And also, this shows us the deity of Jesus. Jacob Neusner is a uh, Jewish scholar. He lived in the Tampa area, taught at the University of South Florida. Uh, Marty picked up many classes with him and came to know him uh, quite well. He did not become a believer in Jesus, but he studied many things and he stated that sacrifice was essential to the temple. The temple is going to continue. You've got to have sheep and oxen and birds and things to, to be sold, to be sacrificed. So in a certain way, this is a very dramatic act of Jesus. If there is no buying and selling of these sacrificial animals, at least somewhere around, the whole system is going to come to the end. All of it's going to fall apart. And his point was that here Jesus was making a revolutionary claim that all sacrifice will end with the sacrifice of myself. That is a brilliant observation. And he stated it better than I just did at that point. But he didn't believe it. But I do. And if you believe it, if you believe that Jesus and his sacrifice does all that those sacrifices in the temple couldn't do, if you believe it can provide ultimate cleansing, if you believe he died for your sin, and are willing to repent of them and be baptized for mercy of sins, we invite you to come as we stand and sing. The Blue Book number 268, Heart the Gentle Voice. Don't be so meek. Hark the gentle voice of Jesus, fall tenderly upon your ear. Sweet his cry of love and pity, caller, turn and listen, stay and hear.
He who calleth is the Master. been great to be together today. Let's, uh, let's bow and pray together to God. Holy and righteous God, how great you are. God, your glory is seen in all things great and small. And Father, uh, we're thankful for the way that you've revealed uh, Jesus to us and recorded the important uh, things that we needed to know about his life and about his death about his example, God, of the things that he said, his frequent uh, use of, old, of the Old Testament scriptures to show how he was the fulfillment. And God, may we not be like those who see the mighty works of Jesus but fail to believe. May our understanding of Jesus, our, our insights, our, the, may the picture of Jesus that we see uh, be shaped by your word and may we God yield and submit to you in all things may you go with us through this uh, new week and for each moment for each day that you give us God may we live to your glory may we show others what a great and awesome God you are and may we God not overlook anyone in sharing with